This morning we'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Hear the word of God. John writes this, he, that is, we see this from the previous context, he, that is the word, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, and this is John the Baptist, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now out of his fullness, listen to this, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, that was grace. Grace and truth now came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God, as in, and is in closest relationship with the Father. And he has made him known. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your marvelous love. And we thank you that you've shown that love as you have condescended to speak into human language, that you moved upon the authors of this book, the Bible, in this case specifically, the Apostle John. And you inspired them, you've preserved these texts across centuries so that now we can sit and read and hear even in the translation of our own language and know that you speak to your people. Now guide us, guard us from my sin and sickness, and make yourself known. We thank you for your marvelous and great love, and pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. There's three key words uh, that I want to hang the message of this text on and bring to your life. I want to talk about disconcerting, and then we'll look at discernment and disciple. Disconcerting discernment, and disciple as we step through this text. The first is disconcerting, which is surprising, kind of off-putting. I, I was struck as I read and meditated through this by a really disconcerting, uncomfortable message. It starts right there in verse 10. He, that is the word where John starts his gospel, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Well, that's a little disconcerting. Here's the one who made the world, but the world didn't recognize him. In the sermon snapshot, I talked about how imagine if you threw a party and everybody who came didn't recognize that you threw the party. Disconcerting, don't you think? Well, John makes it a little more personal and challenging even when he says, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Again, a promise, but, but a miss. Now, he came to that which was his own, certainly would speak to all humanity, for we are his. He is creator. Every human you will ever meet is an image bearer of the great king. But his own did not know him. 
It could speak too, in a more narrow sense, to the Israelite nation, the people of Israel in that time. For they were God's chosen people. God had called Abraham to be a a blessing to all nations. It was always God's intention to reach all nations. God called Abraham, and out of that came the Hebrew nation. And Jesus comes, and he lives. He does his whole ministry among this small people group, this small nation. And most of them don't even recognize him. That's disconcerting. How could that be? Well, there's a marvelous word that comes next, verse uh, 13. Verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, underline that, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, that's what it means to receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. Through faith in Christ, people who were his creation, image bearers of the great king, are transformed into something more, adopted children of the great creator king. It's faith in Christ that moves a person from image bearer, valued, special, loved, to adopted child, Abba, Father. Still, it's disconcerting to ponder this. How could it be? He came to the world, the world that he made, but the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but they did not receive him. I took some time and dug a little deeper around the text related to the birth of Jesus. And this is where I discovered something fascinating. Look at the record we have of those surroundings of his birth. The Magi came to King Herod, the political power of the time, to the priests and to the teachers, the religious power of the time. And in Matthew... They came to him and said, where is the king to be born? Well, they could go to the scripture, for they have it. Listen to verse 4. When King Herod had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. They could look to the scriptures written and identify the place but they never met the Messiah. Think about that. They missed the point. Is that disconcerting? Highly trained, religious professionals like me, people who could go to the Scripture, draw conclusions, but miss the Messiah. Yikes. Well, another person who was there, and we read about this in Luke chapter 2, is Simeon. It turns out eight days later, as Joseph and Mary bring their newborn son uh, to the temple for the, uh, to live according to the law and present him to the Lord, there's this man, Simeon. It had been revealed to him, it says, Luke chapter 2, verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went in to the temple courts. Ah, Simeon met the Messiah because he heard the voice of the Spirit. Did he gather to worship? 
Yes. Did he study the scripture? Of course. That's what they did as they gathered. Did he celebrate the Passover? Was he faithful and good in all he needed and knew to do? Yes, he was. But the Spirit had spoken, and there he was. He recognized Jesus. He would go on to say in verse 30, it's a favorite statement in the scripture of mine, for my eyes have seen your salvation, O Lord. Looking at an eight-day-old baby, my eyes have seen the promise of centuries, the hope of every tribe and tongue and nation. Your salvation, O God, The next person Luke points us to is a prophetess named Anna, Luke 2, 36 through 38. It says of her that though she was a widow, she never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And she came up at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Ah, so she worshiped, she fasted, she prayed when God gave her a word she shared with others. Look, she had fellowship with those who were seeking the redemption of Israel. So, disconcerting, yes, he came to that which he created, to those whom he called, and they missed. But to those who would receive him, and Simeon and Anna become marvelous examples right there in that very moment. To those who would receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. Well, boy, I want to pay attention to that. I see a situation that's disconcerting, and I ask myself this question. How did people miss him? And again, as the scripture is intended to speak and to challenge me, I've got to ask myself, could I be missing him? Could the kingdom of God be moving in our midst and I'm too busy, too distracted, too invested, too secure, too productive? If they could miss him, could I miss him? In our preparation, we talked about part of the challenge. It it can be an adventure in light of the, the gospel of God's grace. But part of the challenge is this. You just don't know what you don't know. Until God began to break down some idols in my heart and rearrange my life, I had no idea that I didn't understand grace. I passed all my tests in seminary on grace. But I had not lived out grace in my life. I didn't know what I didn't know until God blew up what was blocking me and showed me in gracious new ways the very things that he had for me. That's the adventure. We don't know what we don't know, but God is at work to call us, to shape us, to fill us for his purpose. How did people miss him? Maybe the better question is, how did Simeon and Anna recognize the baby? Well, it's clearly a work of the Holy Spirit. Pursue as you pray, as you read, as we worship. Holy Spirit, guide and lead my heart. It took time for those two. They had been faithful across years. You know, the people who've poured into my life didn't rarely had something to say that had just come to them. It had been something God had been at work on across years. Have you had people like that in your life who at some point have a particular word? It didn't just 
happen as much as over time God had planted seeds, fruit had been born, and now there it was. So it takes time. Expect to be like Simeon and Anna across not just minutes, but across months and years. They worshiped, they fasted, they prayed. The spiritual disciplines that bear fruit over time, we don't do those things so that God will love us. He already loves us. We don't do those things so we can enter into deeper aspect of God's word. I commend every one of you. You're already doing what Simeon and Anna did. They would hear the word of God as they worshiped. That's my goal, to give that to you every Sunday, to grow that up in you. You see, the work of God in Simeon and Anna's hearts and minds over time as they pursued him bore fruit. They were not just followers, they were, they were disciples. And there grew up within them what I want to point out is this second word, discernment. Discernment, the ability to distinguish. They could enter the temple and by their time with God have a sense there's something special here today. The priests could go to the scripture and say, oh, uh, he'll be born in Bethlehem, but they'd miss the Messiah. Simeon and Anna, because of all that had pointed them to relationship with God, had developed what I want to point out and focus on for a moment here, discernment, the ability to distinguish, to have a sense of this is of God, but you know, this is not. Are you able to have a sense sometimes that some of the thoughts or some of the feelings or some of the desires that you have really have their root in God? At other times, sometimes those very same things don't have their root in God. You know, in an impulse-driven culture, part of the message of the good news of Jesus Christ is this. Not every impulse or feeling or desire which you might have is from God. That impulse may be real, you may need to struggle with it, but it's not from God. Pursue that impulse, and that's the way of death. All through my college years, I've told you about uh, playing music and being in all kinds of places. Nobody at any fraternity beer bash I ever played had planned for their life to end up broken in alcoholism. But about 10% of the people there, that's what happened. Not every impulse or desire or feeling is from God. You need discernment to be able to separate those. How many times had Simeon and Anna been into the temple? Hundreds. But this day was special. And they, over time, had developed a taste, a discernment, a sense. God is at work here. Discernment is being able to figure out that difference. What's the Word of God and what's just that extra pizza I had last night? Discernment. What is the gospel? What is the voice of consumerism? This afternoon, I hope to watch the New Orleans Saints play football. But the only reason I'll be able to do that is because about every three minutes, there's somebody who wants to point something out to me that I do not want, but make me, they want to make me think I can't live without it. Right? 
We live in an ocean of self-focused, consumerist mentality. I mean, a fun exercise, I, I do it sometimes. I look at the advertisements and I say, who wants to sell me so I can get the news? Who wants to sell me so I can watch a football game? Who wants to sell me so I can see this? That's part of just discerning and sensing the culture. Do you have the sense of depth in Christ that you can discern what's gospel and what's consumerism? What's the good news of God's grace and what is just my own self-oriented desire? Here's part of the challenge, friends. In the United States right now, you can find a church. Well, it's not really a church. It's a building with religious symbols and kind people. You can find a place like that that will tell you whatever you want to hear. Politics on this side, we have a church for that. Politics on that side, oh yeah, we have a church for that. Like this music, like that music, we have a church for that. Want a church that's big in technology? We have an app for that. Whatever you want, you can get your ears tickled. You can pursue any of these and never once hear the gospel. Have you cultivated a sense of the gospel of God's grace, a taste to recognize, you know, that's not the gospel, but this is. I once had a key leader leave a church, and in the exit interview, I talked with him, and he said, Bill, all I ever get from you is grace. We need to hear the balance and judgment. I'm thinking, oh, Jesus went to the cross so I could pour judgment on people? Now, I'd been involved with him enough to know he wanted me to speak judgment on his sons. No, the gospel is grace. What changes our life is God's grace. What, what fills us with hope and gives us discernment is to recognize his pursuit of us. Friends, you can find a religious building that'll tell you anything you want to hear. But do you have discernment to hear the voice of the shepherd? Can you name, for instance, an attitude in your life that God has convicted you about? He shined the light of his love on that attitude and called it sin. Usually we'd rather move on. I've tried to train you, and I want you to have a sense of this, that the convicting of the Holy Spirit, the pointing out of my sin, is an open door to new freedom. Conviction is not the weight of guilt. Conviction is the doorway to a new freedom because of what Jesus did at the cross. Can you name such an attitude? Maybe you thought you were unhappy, but the Holy Spirit might say to you, you're just filled with consumer desires. I try to laugh every time they want to sell me a TV. Because actually, I kind of want that TV. But I need to be free. Is there revenge in your heart? Oh, it's justified because they hurt you. But what would the Holy Spirit say? Is there an attitude or a, do you see the working out of an attitude of self-righteousness and taking a toll on your relationships? Let me give you another concrete example that struck me this week where we need to see our world in light of discernment of the gospel. 
A recent article in the Washington Post was headlined, Searching for Satisfaction and Self-Worth in 2020? Add a Daily Routine of Prayer. Now, I've already advocated by my count three times that you consider upping your prayer life for the new year. Am I an advocate of praying? Yes, I'd love to help you learn to pray and to grow in that. But let's go back and think about this headline, Searching for Satisfaction and Self-Worth in 2020. Where is that motivation going to take you? So I read the article, and the focus of it is, add prayer to your life and you will get more of what you really need, self-worth. I want to suggest to you that maybe the calling to pray for God, pray to God, is the calling to meet God. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Simeon and Anna prayed each day in order to pile up a little more self-worth in their life. I'm really feeling good. Made it to the temple today. Got to pray some. (laughs) That's not these people. Instead, I see in them the sort of people who prayed to be close to their God, to hear his voice and to obey, to understand his mission and join in, to wait for the promised Messiah, to be gripped by his love and to share that with others. They loved the God they knew for who he was, not so that they could get more of what they wanted. No doubt, along the way, they found a deeper sense of security. I trust Pastor Wang Yi is finding that. No doubt, along the way, they found great joy and conviction and insight. But I want to suggest to you, if you start praying because you want self-worth, that's going to lead you along a path of prayer that gets you someplace you don't want to get but that if you'll seek to meet the living God, he has extraordinary things for you. As we become disciples, the gift of discernment, the knowledge, the relationship, the sense of God at work grows. And so I want to talk about disciple because you see, Jesus has called us as the church to make disciples, not simply members or followers. Being a disciple is about being disciplined for purposeful service. Um, It's when the desires, habits, values, and activities and thinking of our life are shaped for a purpose by repetition over time. One of the reasons I'm glad we pray the Lord's Prayer each time we gather is to build that deep into our lives. So that wherever you find yourself with the Bible or not, with other Christians or not, there's a language of prayer. It was powerful, the memorial service on uh, Friday for Teresa, as we answered the question, what is your only hope in life and in death? These are things to move deep into our lives so that no matter what we face, a hospital ER, driving to the rehab center for family week, waiting at the jail to post bond for someone we love. Wherever we find ourselves, we have the habits, the discipline, the resources, not of followers, but of disciples. Let me give you a concrete illustration 
of how this plays out. From time to time, someone will call me and ask me to speak out on a specific topic. It often happens when, a, I, I, I imagine, a politician makes some confusing, unfounded claim about what the Bible says. Imagine. Now, speak out about that. I'd never talk about anything else, I'm afraid. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When I get those requests and when I have conversations with folks, I really am inclined, at least at first, to agree with the request. I'm a teacher by training and by temperament. I'm committed to the Bible and what it says, and I want to get it right and make it clear. I want to help other folks learn to study the Bible, teach them to do the same. But here's the challenge with that request. Speak to this issue. Here's the challenge to the request. It has to do with discernment and consumer culture. When pastors make statements in a consumer culture, people listen. Do I want to consume that statement? If no, let me go find a place where I can consume the statement I want. You see, sometimes statements just gather followers and people self-adjust to find the place where they hear what they want to hear. Scripture calls me to make disciples of you, to cultivate and encourage and equip and build a daily time with the written word of God, a fruitful time of prayer, authentic, accountable fellowship, service in which God can work and use you. I'm, any of you have spent much time with me. You know I've got lots of opinions, and I don't mind telling you they're the right ones. But I'm not here to get you to follow my opinions. I want to see you discipled after the image of Jesus Christ, able to discern, able to follow God wherever he may take you. He may take some of you one way and others of you another. What I'm excited about is that you can both be disciples where he takes you. You're to be salt and light, not followers of Bill. What happens if I go to jail? Disciples will continue right along. Friends, Jesus has called us to make disciples. That's a great prayer and vision of mine in this upcoming year, to equip and to gather disciples, not to assemble followers of Pastor Bill's. Jesus is looking for disciples who have discernment, who can navigate their way through life where God has placed them, at work, in school, in family systems. Some of all of these things are real healthy, others are not. But you can bring the light of the world, the great hope of God. The new year is a natural time to take fresh aim at your habits and goals. Join a group. Study and read together. Pick up Tim and Kathy Keller's devotion on wisdom. I worked through that with a group of men this year. Day by day, page by page. Helpful, insightful, building a heart of discernment. Read the gospel each month this year. You know, I often have folks come up to me and say, oh, January, I'm going to start reading through the Bible. I'm going to start at Genesis and Revelation. And Genesis is kind of interesting. And, you know, Exodus, there's a, they go across the Red Sea. The Egyptian gods are destroyed. Wow. And then usually the second week of February, you hit Leviticus. But you're committed and you make it all the way to March. 
in numbers. Just start the Gospel of John, chapter one, first day of the month, and read it that month. Next month, read it again. You would do better to read the Gospel of John 12 times in 2020 than you would to start Genesis this week and to die in the burial ground of numbers. Find what it takes. Volunteer here at Hardawike. Build relationships. Learn to, to share life with folks. Give me a call. Let's talk about identifying a step forward in your walk with God. But make this a year where at the end you look back and say, my, what God has done. I've seen him do this. I, I remember that. I, I, I was encouraged by that. I had to deal with this. Let God be God. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, we thank you for amazing love. And in this new year, I pray that you would help each of us to learn from Simeon and Anna. The world's all simple people, perhaps even old people. But you saw people who'd spent time with you, who pursued you, who'd had to lay some things down in their life because the Holy Spirit is convicting, but who'd found strength to face those things because you are gracious and equipping. They had friends and they told the good news of your presence to them. They shared life. They lived with hope because they walked with you. I pray that there'd be a, a deep move into your word and into the life of prayer into our community together, into service together, that we might see 2020 as a great opportunity to shine your light in us first and then through us to a world that often seems so dark. Fill us with great hope, Father, that we might be instruments of your great hope. We give you thanks and we give you praise. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Worship his holy name. We, all God's people prayed in his name. Amen and amen.